Dragon Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your kung fu may be good, but mine is better. Beyond rival students, rival headmasters, and rival schools comes a tale of rival countries where honor is tested with weapons of gold, wood, water, fire, and earth. Welcome to the Kung Fu Driving Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vita, and in this episode, we're breaking down the five element ninjas. In 1982, legendary director Chang Che helmed his last film with the Shaw Brothers Studios. And in his swan song effort, it was as if the Shaw Brothers asked him, would you like to take everything you've ever loved about Kung Fu cinema, sprinkle it liberally with every myth and fable you've ever grown up with, mix it with the dynamically changing taste of a new generation of filmgoers, and brew it for about 105 minutes until you have a glorious fever dream of a film that will haunt and astound Kung Fu fans for decades to come? I imagine that Chang Che popped his collar, peeked over the top of his Ray-Bans, and smirked and said, Why, yes. Yes, I would. And if you don't think that diehard fans of the Kung Fu genre don't hold a special place in their heart for this film, one of my loyal listeners, Michael J. Gonzalez, posted on the Facebook page that this film was, quote, one of my favorites, such an awesome movie and so well done, Shaw Brothers at their finest. Another listener and contributor to the show, Robot13, who, by the way, you should all follow on Instagram just to see his vast film library, had this to say about the movie. As far as I'm concerned, if you like Shaw Brothers movies, if you like kung fu movies in general, if you like action movies at all, the movie that you absolutely need to see has to be Five Element Ninjas. Chang Che made an absolute classic. He took all of the best actors that he could get, the group of the uh, Venom Mob and all the ancillary characters that he could put together. He's got weapons galore to the point where you almost need a scorecard to figure out what guys are using where and what scene. So many different kung fu and jujitsu and ninjutsu techniques that your head's going to spin. And everything was done with a degree of accuracy to try and make it the best action film that he ever put together and he really does succeed and the reason is is because as the movie follows along it's not just a revenge plot it's a war of two different philosophies it's the philosophy of the the chinese kung fu where honor and respectability and doing things a certain way is really valued even above winning um and it's the ninjutsu which is trying to win at all costs. And that's not saying that they're necessarily evil, but that the uh, ninja is trying to win even if they have to use something that standard kung fu would look at and say, this is uh, cheating, per se. So what happens is the kung fu guys kind of come and learn some of the ninjutsu techniques and learn how to counter it by for lack of a better term, cheating. And it's phenomenal. It has to be seen if you are any type of a fan of any kung fu movie. You must see this movie. These testimonials are appropriate because this film really does feel like a Chang Che love letter to the genre that he led and shaped for so many years. While other more well-known movies may always land ahead of this one on popularity lists, 
No kung fu film list would ever be complete without at least a nod to this action-packed Chang-Chi masterpiece. The film starts off with an epic face-off as two rival schools stare each other down. The headmasters of the school have decided to settle a conflict by pitting their best students against one another until one school is declared the best in the land. Hmm. Ten rounds of combat will easily decide this matter between us. If you lose, you must agree to be banished from here. But if we win, we will lead the martial world. Huh. Mr. Kang. Must we fight again in order to settle this matter? Yan Chang, we will fight. Although you beat me before, you're gonna meet your match today. Fight scene. What follows is an all-out tournament-style battle between the two schools. On one side, Chief Kang's rough-and-tumble crew versus Yun Zhang and his pupils, all clad in solid white, in a somewhat overly heavy-handed way of cluing us in that they should be viewed as the good guys. This fight is almost a vulgar celebration of kung fu weaponry as two rival students square off against one another, with each one wielding a different weapon of choice for each of the ten rounds. In round one, Kang's student uses big buzzsaw blades, while Zheng's pupil uses the long-bladed staff. After a few moments of incredibly tight acrobatic choreography between the two, it's Zheng's student who comes out on top. 1-0, Yun Zheng. In round two, Kang's student is armed with what look like single-arm versions of Klingon Batleths. If you need to take a moment to recover from that nerd overdose, I'll allow it. Go ahead, go get your breath. Okay, Zheng's student is using simple hand daggers, and it's still a quick disarm and defeat for Kang's Klingon. 2-0, Yun Zheng. Rounds three through five are all pretty standard battles with swords, and are wrapped up very quickly by Zheng's students. 5-0, Yun Zheng. Round six lets the Lin brothers loose, and they always fight together, and together they win pretty handily. 6-0, Yun Zheng. Now, if this is a 10-round fight, simple math states that there's now no way that Chief Kang can win, so the rest of these fights shouldn't be necessary. But fight on, they do. Through the ninth round, it's a clean sweep for Yun Zheng, so Chief Kang decides that for the final round, he needs to call in the reinforcements. He calls for a Japanese samurai in his service to step up to the plate and take a swing. One of Zheng's students is less than impressed and takes it upon himself to deal with what he considers to be a nuisance. This is Mr. Sandy. He's a samurai. He'll represent me. Hmm. I'm mere Japanese. Not worth our sea fighting him. Let me go. The cocky student takes on the samurai, and even though it's a fat axe going up against a samurai sword, Zheng's student gets disarmed quickly and takes the loss. 9-1 Zheng. But the samurai isn't satisfied with preventing the shutout. Loss of a fight means loss of one's life for a samurai. I'm all for honor and living to a code, but this craziness is over the top. Zheng's losing student accepts his loss, but declares himself unworthy, and without batting an eye, takes his own axe and slits his own throat with it, right there in front of his classmates and rivals. But instead of anyone panicking and maybe going buck wild and retaliating, the headmaster tells everyone to calm the hell down. Lo Meng, one of the Venom mobs steps up and offers to take on the samurai barehanded. Lomang shows off his footwork and close-quarter fighting skills and, despite being weaponless, manages to take the samurai's sword away and taunt him with it. 
Another of Zheng's students reminds the samurai of his code. Want this back or want to use another one? Hmm? <sighs> loss of a fight means loss of a life to a samurai. Now, good guy or bad, that's just cold. The samurai, however, can't argue. He steps out to prepare, and when he returns, he hands a note to Chief Kang telling him of his friend Chen Yun, a ninja who can help him later. With that, he kneels in the middle of the floor and commits ritual seppuku, again with everyone acting like this is what happens every Tuesday night. But before he gives up the ghost, he takes a barbed ring from his finger, flicks it to Yun Zheng, and explains that the next time he sees it, it will mean his death. Yun Zheng catches it, and the barbs pierce his hand. Just as a side note, all of that happened in the first 13 minutes of this movie. As crazy and intense as those first 13 minutes were, things go all the way to 11 from here out. Our students make their way to the five different locations to tackle the challenge if it actually exists. The first two warriors arrive at the first location. Fight scene. We're here. The gold spot. While the students are waiting, four ninja emerge either dressed to kill or dressed for an early Vegas show where they're the chorus line. If you know anything about the art of ninjutsu, they're supposed to be masters of stealth and cunning, using the shadows as their ally and seemingly appearing and disappearing as if they're made of smoke. These ninja aren't smoke, but they are certainly on fire as they are dressed in gleaming gold ninja suits along with gold straw hats that they begin spinning furiously in front of them. There's no hiding these guys. Our students, already unaware of the fight that they're in for, now have to face trickery and guile as the ninja use their bright golden hats to reflect sunlight into the eyes of the students, blinding them as they press their attack. The two are overwhelmed quickly, as not only do they have to deal with being blinded, the hats are also bladed and can somehow shoot these blades as projectiles. The weaponized and glamorized ninja take the first two down with alarming ease. The Ustari Cycle by Jeff Summers, author of the Avery Kate series, has been called intricate with ink-black humor by RT Book Reviews, and heartbreaking and soaked in blood and steeped in deadly power and desperation by Publishers Weekly. When blood fuels magic, there are mages, there are bleeders, and there are no good people. Learn the words, get the blood, and rule the world. Available everywhere from gallery books. Check out wearenotgoodpeople.com. The next two students arrive at a forest location where they reach the wood element challenge spot. They quickly scan the trees around them and initially think it's deserted, when from a deeply camouflaged spot in the trees, two hands emerge and launch several shurikens that whiz through the air and embed themselves in a tree across the way. One student notices that the ninja stars are dripping with blood. The other student turns around, at which point the first student notices that the other guy's gut is bleeding. Apparently, the ninja stars were so sharp that they cut right through the guy without him even noticing. The first student recoils and steps back against a tree only to be ambushed seemingly by the tree itself. More camouflaged hands drive blades deep into his chest, killing him instantly. The second student, despite being run through already, fights off the hidden ninja for as long as he can, but with the warriors emerging from every corner of the forest, he's outmanned and cannot match their weaponry. At the water element spot, two more students spot four ninja in bright, and I mean like neon bright blue outfits paddling towards them. The students throw darts at them and force the ninja to slide into the water and think they're safe. Using reeds as snorkels, the ninja bide their time for a bit and then launch out of the water, entangle the students' feet with ropes, and drag them into the lake where they swarm over them like piranha. This fight is over in seconds. So this is fire. Come out! At the fire element spot, a lone warrior taunts the ninjas to get the party started. Four ninja and Scarlet pop up in advance, and for a few minutes, we get a traditional one-on-four sword fight, with the ninja leaping about with ease while our lone student hacks and slashes away. 
In order to tip the scales in their favor, one ninja breaks out the bamboo equivalent of a smoke bomb and sets off a big billowing cloud of red smoke, from which the ninja attack without being seen. Our effectively blinded student gets wounded right away and has to scramble to stay in the fight. With several smoke bombs going off, the student can't even get his bearings right when the leader of the ninjas makes his debut. I am the leader of the ninjas, Kenyumunda. Now, tell me your name. Use dirty tricks. I'll get you. Slang cunning man like you should never know my name. But having already taken a sword to the gut, the student can only put on a brave face as he falls to the flames. Finally, another lone wolf makes his way to the earth challenge spot, but even before he knows there's supposed to be a fight, a spear juts up out of the ground below him and stabs him in his leg and groin. Like groundhogs from hell, the earth ninjas burst up from underground and go right at our student. Hobbled and bleeding from the wounds he's already sustained, the student can only handle so much before more mutant ninja groundhogs pop up from the ground. There's plenty of steel exchanged, and just when the student thinks he can take out one of the earth ninjas, he swings his blade at him, only to watch him disappear like Obi-Wan, leaving his clothes behind, and presumably tunnels back into the ground buck naked. Fresh from the firefight, like that one, out of the ground pops up the ninja leader Chen Yun again. The student puts up a valiant fight with some incredible fight sequences, but the wounds to his legs prove too much, and as he stumbles, Chen Yun capitalizes and ends him with a slash across the chest. At this point in the movie, Chen Yun looks dead straight into the camera with a final message. Goodbye, hero. Back at the school, the bodies of the fallen are delivered to the remaining students. They have little time to mourn, however, as they continue to prepare for a ninja invasion that may or may not come. Meanwhile, Chief Kang is holding court with Chen Yun, discussing his success against Zheng's students. The ninja leader urges Chief Kang to invade the school now, while they're at their weakest. Kang mentions that it's security locked down, but Chen Yun is so confident in his ninjas that to demonstrate their skill, he calls to them, and in a brilliant piece of film work, a swarm of ninja drop out of the sky, from the rooftops, hop through windows and over walls, all without a single sound. They flow into the room like a black cloud and kneel at their leader's feet. One more call summons the beautiful Senji, a female spy who's about to set the next stage of their attack on the school in motion. The next day, Senji pretends to be the victim of an abusive uncle, which is thwarted by the two students left to guard the school. Her sob story wins over Lomang's character Chi Sheng, who advocates taking her in to the school for protection. Tian Hao, the other student, concedes, and once she's inside the school, Senji starts trying to map out the school's floor plan while posing as a helpful ward cleaning up after the guys. In a moment alone with Chi Sheng, Senji tries to win his affections, only to be interrupted by a pouting Tian Hao, who accuses her of misplacing his spear. He jokingly accuses her of being a spy for the ninjas, which she plays off by bawling and running away. That evening, as she's preparing soup for Master Zheng, she slips some more poison into the broth. When Tian Hao insists on tasting it before it gets served, she quote-unquote drops the bowl and goes to prepare a new batch. She's allowed to bring the second batch into Master Zheng herself, however. The next morning, Senji manages to use some hidden weaponry to smuggle the map she created outside the walls to a waiting ninja accomplice who gets the map to Chen Yun immediately. Senji's done it. This is a detailed plan of the headquarters. <laughs> Splendid. We will raid their base tonight. That evening, Senji tries to seduce Chi Sheng, but he refuses out of warrior's valor. Senji offers to play the flute for him before she leaves, and under the cover of that loud flute music, the ninja horde infiltrate the grounds and start killing off the students. Again, director Chang Che emphasizes the stealth of the ninja here by dropping out all sound from their footfalls as they raid the school. It's a pretty brutal massacre as the ninja army overwhelms the students standing guard. 
Only the sound of the trip bells alerts Chi Shang to the danger, and as he rises to join the fight, Senji blows a poison dart through the flute, which lands in Chi Shang's chest. The fast-acting poison allows Senji to run Chi Shang through with a sword, but despite being toward mortally wounded, he rushes to Tian Hao's side as he's engaged in battle with several ninja. At Senji's order, they take Tian Hao prisoner while continuing to go after Master Zhang. The ninja managed to trap Zhang in his room and set the place ablaze with only Chi Sheng to try and get him out. Chen Yun steps in to finish the fight and impales Chi Sheng to the burning door. Inside, Master Zhang collapses from the heat and smoke inhalation and burns along with his school. Meanwhile, a captive in Bound Tian Hao thinks back to his youth where he learned some very basic ninja skills from a former master. Using what he learned, he's able to escape the ropes but has to feign captivity as he gets paid a visit by Senji. She confesses her love for him, and as she's about to seduce him, he undoes the bonds and takes Senji hostage, using her to help him escape. Back at Master Kang's place, Kang offers to send Chen Yun home with lots of parting gifts, but Chen Yun has other plans. I'm already the lord of the martial world. Tell me, why should I leave? Uh, uh, what do you mean? My intention is to take your place. Fight scene. With a few claps of his signal sticks, Kang's room is overwhelmed with ninja and his henchmen are taken out with extreme prejudice. Kang himself gets taken down with the same barbed ring that poisoned Master Zhang. And just like that, Chen Yun ascends to the throne of the martial arts world. While Chen Yun sits on his throne, Tian Hao seeks out his former ninja master, Master Tung, and begs him to finish his training so that he can avenge his fallen school. Master Tung takes him on and introduces him to three other students that he'll train with. Breaking out an ancient ninja training manual, Chen Hao starts on his road to revenge. Why is a ninja so deadly? Indeed, the ninja art is really elusive. The untying method I taught you earlier is just one of the ninja arts. Master Tung sets about training the students while we get an overview of what makes the ninja art so deadly, particularly the five elements formation. In a training montage where the students are blindfolded, the Fantastic Four work hard to stave off Master Tung's attacks while maneuvering in the blind. There's a great freeze frame of the four as they start to become a team and jump into an impossible cheerleader kind of formation with one guy standing on another's shoulders while the other two hang off of either of the top guy's arms. After some time, Master Tung presents Tian Hao with a mysterious key that he received from a ninja a long time ago. He doesn't know of its use, but if Tian Hao is going to be facing off against a ninja leader like Chen Yun, he figures it might come in handy. Chen Hao makes his way to Chen Yun's palace and issues his own challenge to the ninja leader. Last time, you sent Master Yuan a challenge. Now, we have one for you also. We four would like to challenge your five elements. Chen Yun accepts the challenge and orders Senji to follow him and learn all she can about his methods and master. In a move to cover all the bases, he also sends a few ninja to keep an eye on Senji as well. Every day, whether you realize it or not, you're moved by the power of visual communication. And that's by design. At Tinbox Marketing Solutions, the goal of that design is to bring effective communication to a myriad of people through shape, color, texture, and sound. Tinbox is a creative services group located in Los Angeles, California, 
by way of New York City. Their clients include La Tigre, Konami, Pony Footwear, and comedian Jerry Seinfeld. For the bleeding edge in graphic design and print services, don't think outside the box. There is no box. TinBoxSolutions.com Senji tracks Tian Hao to a forest and declares her love for him while she tries to mine him for information about his teacher and fellow students. Tian Hao plays along for a while until he spots the ninjas hiding in the trees. While locked in an embrace, Tian Hao slips out his blade and slides it into Senji. That's not even a euphemism either. He actually slowly stabs her with his sword while telling her what a cold-hearted bitch she was for what she did to Qi Sheng. Using his newly acquired ninja skills, Tian Hao slips into the trees behind his ninja pursuers and starts taking them out one by one. There's lots of trampoline and swordplay here as Tianhao smugly beats the ninja at their own game. Fight scene. On challenge day, Tianhao and his three fellow students gather at the same spots where Zheng's students were massacred earlier. First, they meet at the gold challenge spot and square off against the shiny boys. Better prepared for the ninja trickery, the Fantastic Four put up a much better fight in this hugely entertaining battle. It's axes versus swords with a hyperactive choreography that keeps your head spinning. When the gold ninjas attempt their blinding tricks, Tianhao and crew simply close their eyes, harkening back to their blindfolded training with Master Tung. When the Golden Rods launch their hat blades, the foursome recreate their cheerleader move and deflect the blades with ease. Robbed of their technical advantage, the ninjas fall pretty quickly with the last Golden Boy being impaled on the challenge spot marker itself. At the Wood Challenge, Tianhao and his brothers do some pre-prep for the battle by setting some blades on chains. Tianhao tests some suspect trees and when the ninja hidden within tries to stab him, a chain blade flies out from the forest wraps itself around the hidden ninja's arm, and just tears it right off. Now this is one of those scenes where the first time I saw it, I jumped up off the couch and laughed hard, not out of amusement, but out of shock and awe. Quickly taking out the rest of his compatriots, one last ninja gets surrounded by Tian Hao and company as they've all backflipped into the surrounding trees. From their posts, they launch the chain blades at the ninja, with each guy wrapping their blade around a limb. With coordinated pull, they lift the ninja off the ground, suspending him prone over the forest floor. And with another hard yank, they straight up pull the guy's limbs off of him like the wings off a fly. It's a keeper of a scene for sure. At the lake for the water element fight, the four scan the water and spot the reeds being used as snorkels. Prepared for the attack this time, the brothers use their staffs to intercept the leg attack and employ spring-loaded blades to cut down the ninjas under the surface. The ninja begin leaping out of the water like flying fish, but the brothers are prepared for that as well. Using a large net, the brothers channel some serious chi and skim across the surface of the water like bugs, trapping the ninja like fish and wrapping them up in the net. Seriously, the ninja even flop around like fish in the net before the brothers plunge their spears into them. As the brothers walk away, one guy even strikes down the water challenge marker in an act of defiance. At the fire battle, the brothers don't even have a chance to stop and prepare before the fire ninjas are all over them. It's another hyperdynamic spears versus swords battle, as each brother is matched by a fire ninja. As per the last time, the ninjas deploy their smoke bombs and try to attack from the cloud. But instead of panicking, the brothers break out large swatches of cloth that they wave around as they defend their positions. The waving flags disperse the smoke, while the spears they're attached to disembowel the fire ninjas. In the melee, Tianhao's key gets dropped but is picked up by one of the brothers for safekeeping. At the Earth Challenge, Ninja Master Chen Yun himself is waiting for the brothers to arrive. He summons the Earth Ninjas, who pop up out of the ground in formation, and then signals for them to once again go into hiding. He himself also tunnels down into the Earth and waits for the time to attack. 
The brothers arrive and split their spears into two separate bladed staffs, which, when the attacks from underfoot start coming, they use the staffs as stilts while stabbing down into the earth. How much fun do you think Chang Che was having with this film as he was coming up with all these insane ideas? The battle devolves from there, with the ninja needing to find a way to crawl back into their holes. Tian Hao isn't about to allow that, and as one ninja tries to slip back under the earth, Tian Hao positions his spears at ground level and catches the ninja just as he's about to slip away. Final fight. Chen Yun finally decides that enough is enough and pops up out of the ground to take on the brothers himself. They decide to attack in relay, but Chen Yun is proving to be a tougher match than they thought. It's acrobatics galore as they exchange blows. Just when the brothers think that they have Chen Yun cornered, he slips into the earth and starts attacking from below again. Back up on their stilts, the brothers have a hard time keeping track of Chen Yun, and this confusion gives him the room he needs to explode out of the earth and slap some leg shackles on Tian Hao. The other brothers mount an attack again, but Chen Yun is just too good. While one of the brothers keeps Chen Yun occupied, Tian Hao tries to break the shackles off of himself. He spots a keyhole on the manacles, and a light bulb goes off. He searches for the key that Master Tung gave him, but he can't find it right away. Good thing his fellow student picked it up earlier, right? Of course, it immediately unlocks the shackles, allowing Tian Hao to get back into the fight. The ever-resourceful ninja master, however, has outfitted his boots with climbing spikes and is using them to start causing some real damage to the brothers. Tian Hao picks up the leg shackles and makes it his mission to try and slap them on Chen Yun's ankles. We get some intense slow-motion shots of Chen Hao flipping up and over and around the ninja while just narrowly missing out on the chance to lock him up. Realizing that he can't win that way, Tian Hao makes a fateful decision and charges head-on towards Chen Yun. His life flashes before his eyes as the ninja lord leaps through the air, feet first, catching Tian Hao dead in the chest with both sets of spikes. Tian Hao, however, manages to slap the shackles on and hold on to Chen Yun's legs as he tries to tunnel back into the earth. The remaining brothers rush in and spear Chen Yun, who is literally half in and half out of his grave either way. With Chen Yun dead, the brothers rush over and ask Tian Hao why he sacrificed himself the way he did. Tell me, why'd you do that? <laughs> I don't know myself. Maybe I was obsessed. Maybe I was thinking about Zenji. I lost my head. I'm sorry. Chen Hao's final request is for his new brothers to destroy the last ninja marker, which they do in grand fashion in a final freeze frame ending. If you haven't yet seen this movie, it really is worth the effort to find it and give it a screening or three. It's an intense thrill ride with all the stuff that kung fu fans look for in a movie and then some. James Mudge of Beyond Hollywood said, quote, It has pretty much everything that discerning fans could ever want, unquote. Paste Magazine has it at number 8 on its 100 Best Martial Arts Movies list, but even if you disagree, for the spectacle alone, you should give this movie a look-see. Are you afraid of what goes bump in the night? Have you or your friends ever pondered a conspiracy? Do you want to know more about the unknown? If so, then put on your tinfoil hat, sit down, and pick up your computer, tablet, or phone. Go to iTunes or YouTube and search for Secret Transmission Podcast and listen to us try to explain the unexplainable. Follow us on Twitter for updates on shows. At Secret Trans Pod. That's S-E-C-R-E-T-T-R-A-N-S-P-O-D. Or you can email us suggestions at secrettransmission at hotmail.com. That's S-E-C-R-E-T-T-R-A-N-S-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at hotmail.com. Okay, gang, that's going to do it for this episode. As always, please reach out to me wherever you can. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Kung Fu Drive-In, on Facebook at the Kung Fu Drive-In podcast page, 
Email is kungfudriving at gmail.com, and you can now listen to the show on iTunes and also on Google Play Music, so all you Android users can join in on the fun. I've got three reviews in the iTunes store right now, but can always use a few more, so if you have a second, please stop by and leave a rating and a review. I can't take over the martial arts world with only three ratings. Much thanks to Robot13 for popping on and leaving his comments on the movie. Go follow him on Instagram at Robot13. And also a quick shout out to the entire Potter and Family hashtag on Twitter. If you're looking for other great shows to listen to, check out that hashtag and you'll find more than you can possibly even know what to do with. Next week will be the show's 10th episode, so it's a small milestone for us. And I have you guys to thank for it, so thank you very much. Until next week, Poison Clan, peace. <laughs>